Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Praise the Lord. As uh, we were worshiping last week, we encountered um, an utterance of the Spirit of God, and the Lord said to us something important. The Lord began to speak to us about the importance of walking by the Spirit, especially in days to come, that as we move into uh, things that will take place in our nation, in our world, things that are going on around us, that it is important for us to be people who are not led by our emotions, not led by just reasonings, mental reasonings, but that we become skilled in responding by the Spirit, by our born-again Spirit. Did you know that it is possible for your spirit to be educated in spiritual things? Not just educated from an intellectual point of view, but your spirit needs to be developed The Word of God talks about different stages of development. We know it says in the book of Hebrews that they had need of milk because they were babes in Christ. Let me just refer not just uh, um, randomly or not just uh, um, generally, but let me look specifically at that scripture so that we can see these different stages of development. Hebrews, I believe I want chapter 4, chapter 5, 12 actually. For when, uh, for the time you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. This, this Reference indicates that they became some that needed milk. That's a regression. They were in one position of, or one condition of receiving, of being at one time able to receive the meat of the word. But evidently, they had let some things slip. Did we find out in our last series that it's possible to let some things slip? Did he say, give more earnest heed to the things which you have heard, lest at any time you should let them slip? So evidently these had let them slip. It says they had need that they be taught again the principles, the principles, the basics, the ABCs. If you let your ABC slip, you're not going to read well. If you let your multiplication table slip, you're not going to be able to do math very well. There are going to be, there are going to be some things in higher levels that become frustrating and difficult because you let the basics of it slip. And so they had let the basics slip. He said, they, you needed to be taught again, not you, but them. They needed to be taught again the first principles, and then he called those first principles milk. He said there was a stage of development where we need the milk. And that's not, that's not um, 
for, if, if a person is in a stage where we need milk, that's not shameful. I wouldn't look at a baby and say, what is the matter with that baby? Why aren't you feeding that baby a pork chop? Well, I know why we don't feed the baby the pork chop. That baby can't chew the pork chop. We need to give the baby what is profitable for the baby's system. Not only can they not chew it, they can't swallow it, but their stomach isn't prepared to assimilate it. And so we have to give them the food that they can easily digest, that they can easily receive. So being in a position of needing milk, the Bible says that we should desire the sincere milk of the word that we may grow thereby, First Peter. So we need to desire the milk. But if we should be at a stage of development further than we are, then it's not... It's not profitable for a 17-year-old to be drinking the milk from the bottle. Right? right? So we need to recognize, he said, you have come, you are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. Verse 13 says, everyone that uses milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness. So the milk is going to give us skill in the word of righteousness. The principles of the word of God will make us skillful in who we are in Christ. The principles of the word of God will make us skillful in those elements of of our right standing with God. Skillful. Because we need to be able to come boldly into the throne of grace to receive help in time of need. But if we're not skilled in righteousness, we won't. If, if we're not skilled in righteousness, we'll, we'll be hanging around at the corner saying, I'm so unworthy, I'm so unworthy, God. I, I'm just a poor, a wayfaring stranger and gloom, despair, and agony on me. If we're not skilled in the word of righteousness, we're not going to operate our authority in Christ. We're not going to exercise our position of, uh, of, uh, as a child of God, as an heir of God, as a joint heir with Christ. These these principles establish us. And so the word, the milk of the word establishes us in righteousness. And if we are not established in righteousness, now we know what we need. We need milk. We need the principles. We need to establish those uh, uh, basics into our life again. And then it says strong meat belongs to them that are of full age. And this word full age is a word that means mature. It's not talking about years because there can be people who are 70 years old in the natural age of life, but they don't have any control over their flesh. They have unforgiveness in their life. They're critical. They, they uh, can't walk in victory. They don't, they don't trust the word of God. That, it, that age doesn't mean spiritual maturities. This word is talking about people who have come to a place of spiritual maturity. So now we see there are stages of development for our spirit. Our spirit needs to be educated or developed in the things of God. And it says, 
strong meat belongs to those who are of a full age or a maturity, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. So they have become skilled in what is right. They've become skilled in being doers of the word is what James 1 talks about. It says people who are hearers of the word but are not doers of the word, they're deceiving themselves. Those who are hearers and doers of the word are people who are moving into that maturity. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, let me just go ahead, and this is not in my notes yet, but we're just obeying the, laying the foundation here. 1 Corinthians 3, verse 1, I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. So the scripture places a carnal Christian in the same category as a baby. Not a sinner. Didn't say they were sinners. It says they were carnal, which means they are at a babyhood stage. And there are things they can't hear. There are utterances that are not for their ears. There are things God's not going to say in a congregation that's carnal. It takes us all growing spiritually for us to be in a position where God can speak to us some things he can trust us with. I want to be that spiritual congregation, and I believe we are. I believe God's been saying some things to us. And I believe there's more he wants to say to us. And the more that we bring our spiritual disciplines to our daily lives, the more it will affect what we're able to hear in the sanctuary on service times. Amen? Because there are things that God can't say if people are carnal. Said, I could not speak to you as unto spiritual. So there's a way that God talks to spiritual people. Or let me say this, mature spiritual people that he won't say to the carnal Christian. To the carnal Christian, he has to say, don't walk in your flesh. Don't yield to your emotions. He's not able to go into some of the other revelations and understandings and dealings because they haven't mastered that yet. I tell you what, the day that Joyce Meyer said... If you can't get victory over that sink full of dirty dishes. Sister Joyce helped me. She helped me. If I can't get victory over the sink full of dirty dishes, how am I going to have a worldwide ministry? How am I going to do anything for Jesus if I can't gain the victory over this laundry pile? If I can't have enough diligence to put my cart back. Anybody put your cart back just because of Joyce? I'm going to get to heaven and say, Joyce, thank you. Thank you for helping me understand that it is integrity for put my shopping cart back and not let it bang into everybody else's car. Amen? Hallelujah. Utterance, things that God needs to say to us. And if we'll get the victory over that, he can say something else. So he says, I could not speak 
to you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk and not with meat. That's what he just said. I couldn't speak to you as spiritual because spiritual people get meat. But I've spoken unto you as unto carnal and I fed you with milk. Because before now, hitherto, before now, you were not able to bear it, neither yet now are you able. Why? He said, they, because they're carnal. And now he is about to identify some carnal evidences. He says, envying is carnal. Strife is carnal. Now think about that. That's something that happens in your spirit that nobody else can see. We see the outward expression of it in the voice, in the words, in the arguments. But the strife is in the heart before it ever gets in the mouth. The strife is working in a person's heart before they ever have the argument. I mean, I've told you the story, but I'll tell you the story again. When Pastor and I, we were uh, uh, going through a difficult time in our marriage. We were learning how to, to walk in the Spirit. And I'll tell you what made my marriage, the marriage that it is today, a marriage made in heaven. We both got spiritual. We both loved God, and we were both called to the ministry, and we were both serving in the local church, but we were carnal. And that carnality came out in the way that we talked to each other, and it came out in the way that we dealt with each other. And I would hold on to my grievances, and he, we would have an argument in the morning. And, and we would have our words, and, and he would go his way. And he, at the time, he worked at Blue Cross Blue Shield Insurance. And, and so he went, and he worked at, all day. And I'm at home. And he's at work interacting with other people, having conversations, dealing with his thing. I'm at home folding clothes, vacuuming the floor, taking care of the kids. And my, I'm not having any other interaction. My mind stayed on that argument all day long. And you know what I was thinking? I should have said this. Oh, I, I, was, I, I, had, I was rehearsing my comebacks. What I should have said, how I could have answered that. Oh, I should have told him this, and I should have reminded him when he did this, and I should have said, do you remember the day that you did this to me? And so by the time he walked in the door, he has forgotten about our little disagreement. But our little disagreement has become to me something that has gained momentum throughout the day. And it is so big that he walks in the door and I pick up right where we left off. But I'm loaded for bear. I'm, I mean, I've got barrels loaded. I'm a bam, ba, bam, ba, bam, ba, bam, bam. I'm just like, you know, and he's like, why did I come home? He had forgotten about it. He was done with it. He thought the argument was over, but I had meditated on it all day long. The strife was the evidence of my carnality. The strife was the evidence of my carnality. It wasn't, it wasn't the argument. It was the attitude that started the argument. It wasn't the words I said. It was the motive of, uh, that caused me to say the words that I said. When I got a hold of the Scripture, 
that says a soft answer turns away wrath. That is a scripture that helped me. Because instead of me trying to get the last word in, I would say something nice to him. And we would be like in the middle of the argument, you know, and he'd be saying something, and I'd be saying something, he'd be saying something, but I'm trying to work the word. And so, okay, soft answer turns away wrath. And so one day we're like in the middle of the argument, and that scripture just comes up to me, and I said, I'm going to find a way to be a blessing to you. I'd heard Gloria Copeland say that about Kenneth Copeland. And I thought, if, if it worked for Gloria, it'll work for Michelle. So I said, I'm going to find a way to be a blessing to you. I mean, he's at, he's at high level 10 argument. And I said, I'm going to find a way to be a blessing. He's expecting me to retaliate. And I speak something nice. And it's just like the balloon that deflated. It changed the whole atmosphere in the room. The strife went out and, and spiritual, spiritual growth started taking place. And so you'll hear pastor, and I'm not telling anything he hasn't already told. His issue was anger. He was raised, his family, not necessarily his mom and dad, but the steel side of the family. If the more loud they could be, the more correct they were. So they would raise their voices and just get loud and get loud. And so he, he would get angry and he would raise his voice. And um, the Lord brought him a scripture that said, a man who cannot contain his anger is like a city without walls, an undefended city. And so every time he would be at that place where he would be about to, to get angry, he would get that scripture, he'd pull that scripture up, and he would deal with that anger and put that anger down. The strife. Do you see? It's in the flesh. It's not the devil. Now, the devil will magnify it. The devil will use it. It's in the flesh. God's telling us there are things that are in the flesh that we're not to let have any operations in our life. You're not obligated to let your flesh do anything. You are under no obligation to let your flesh respond at any moment. That includes hitting the snooze button. You are not obligated to hit the snooze button because your flesh wants to hit the snooze button. You're not obligated to eat half the pie at 10 o'clock at night. You're not obligated to eat the half gallon of ice cream. You're not obligated to give somebody a piece of your mind when they pull out in front of you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. These are things that God wants us to recognize. If I feed my flesh, my flesh gains momentum. If I let my flesh have its way with the snooze button, it's going to have its way with my mouth when I have a harsh word to say to my husband. If I give, if I give way to my flesh in one area... It's not going to just stay there. It's going to say, let me act like this over here too. And that's why we've got to know the difference between responding out of our spirit. Because some people think spiritual things are just, um, 
the, the, they, they are looking for supernatural, things that give goosebumps, things that, that seem extreme or dramatic. Or, or uh, Spiritual is love. If you're walking in the spirit, you are mastering the love walk. That is the greatest and highest expression of spirituality because God is love. And if we're going to be spiritual, we've got to be those who love like God loves. The way he loves us. Right? He said, Jesus said, I'm going to give you a higher level of living. I'm going to give you a high watermark to reach. He said, I want you to love others the way I have loved you. That's spiritual. It doesn't require... A lot of what people, people say, well, I want that spiritual things with all of the, that's not necessarily spiritual. There are people who can have spectacular manifestations and be so carnal. And that hurts people because others who are watching that I I personally in the church that I was, was first saved in, I, I, when I first got saved, I, I would see people who God would use them in the service, and I thought that meant that they are great spiritual examples. But then they'd be out in the parking lot uh, arguing with their wife or speaking harshly or criticizing somebody, and I would think, wait a minute. So do you see we can be used by God because there's a difference between the spiritual fruit, which means our character. Galatians 5 is the spiritual fruit. And and I think sometimes the word fruit makes people uh, think of a kindergarten lesson or a Sunday school lesson and they don't recognize. Let me say it this way. In Galatians 5, it's talking about the character of God. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, meekness, kindness, temperance, faith. That's the character of God. That's his character. That's who God is. And he wants you to be developed in that. He wants us to be developed in character so that when he uses us in the gifts of the Spirit, the nine gifts of the Spirit that are identified over in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, when He uses us in those gifts of the Spirit, we're doing it from love. There are people who want to operate the gifts because they think it will make them important. That's a selfish reason. There are people who say, ooh, I want that gift of healing to operate in my life. I want that gift of the word of wisdom to operate in my life so people will see how important I am. It won't work. God could use them because God will minister to people. God can use somebody in a gift, but that doesn't mean that they're spiritual. For us to have the lasting effect of that gift, we need to have the character. We need to have the maturity in our life. So he said they were carnal because there was envying. There was strife, divisions. And he said, are you not carnal and walk as men? The Amplified. Could you show me the Amplified of verse 3? It says, are you not carnal? And why? Because they had envying? 
they had strife, they had divisions, and he said, that is evidence of your carnality and your walking like people who don't even have the Spirit of God indwelling them. Hallelujah. It says, for as long as there are envying, go to the next one. Uh, oh, wait a minute, that's so good. You are still unspiritual, having the, the nature of the flesh under the control of ordinary impulses. Now, you don't have a dual nature. You don't have the nature of God and the nature. When that says the nature of the flesh, the, the Amplified Bible, I don't prefer that phrase of it, but it says you're letting the flesh have the control. You're under the control of the ordinary impulses. You have flesh, but that's not your nature. According to the Bible, you are a partaker of the divine nature of God. Your nature, by nature, by birth of the new birth, you are by nature a child of God. You have flesh. We all have flesh. But it doesn't have to have any activity in our life. We, we never have to give it place. So it says that these people were under the control of ordinary impulses for as long as there are envying and jealousy and wrangling and factions among you, are you not unspiritual and of the flesh behaving yourself after a human standard and like mere unchanged men? We are not mere unchanged men and women. We've been changed. We've been born again. We're alive unto God. The Bible says you are of God, little children. You are of God. You are born of God. You're alive unto God. You have in you the capacity to respond like God would respond in every conversation, in every situation, in every decision that you need to make. You have the capacity to reach into your spirit and respond from God's answers, from God's supply, from God's wisdom. Hallelujah. You're of God. John chapter 4. John chapter 4, let's look at verse 23 and, 22, 23 and 24. Jesus is speaking to the woman at the well, and he is identifying something that I think will help us as we are purposing in our heart to be people who walk by the Spirit. He says in John 4 and verse 23, The hour comes and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Worship the Father in spirit and in truth. I'm not talking about a song. I'm not talking about just a worship service. Our lives are worship to God. The way we behave ourselves, the way we carry ourselves, the way that we live our life is worship to God. That's what Romans chapter 12 verse 1 says when it says, present yourself a living sacrifice unto God. Amen. So every day my life worships Him. As I, as I feed on His Word, as I communicate with His Holy Spirit, as I act on the Word that He brings to light in my understanding, my life gives glory to Him. I'm worshiping God. Yes. 
So it says we worship the Father in spirit and in truth. And then it says, Jesus says, for the Father seeks this type of person. The Father's looking for this type of person. Is, is there another scripture that identifies that says the eyes of the Lord are looking to and fro throughout the earth? Who is he looking for? Someone he can show himself mighty on the behalf of. He's not going to be able to show himself mighty on the behalf of carnal people, is he? He's going to have to find people who are, are hungry for him, people who are open to him, people who are obedient to him. That's who he can show himself mighty to. Those who are, are walking before him. And so it says the father seeks such to worship him. God is a spirit and they that worship him, they that communicate with him, they that relate to him, those who interact with him, those who walk with him must walk with him, interact with him, relate with him, worship him in spirit and in truth. I want to give you another companion scripture, Philippians chapter 3. This is a companion to this. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 3. For we are the circumcision which worship God in the spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. We are the circumcision, and he's not talking about a physical circumcision. He's talking about a circumcision of the heart. Our heart, we are cutting the flesh off our heart to be spiritual men and women. We are the circumcision. We worship God in the Spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and because this is our worship, our lifestyle, we don't put confidence in the flesh. We don't lean on the flesh. We don't rely on the flesh. We don't operate out of the flesh. We operate by who we are as a born-again child of the living God. Hallelujah. Now, the soul of man. In the scripture, we see sometimes the word soul used. But let's look at 1 Thessalonians and, and identify the order that the Holy Spirit has provided for us in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 because there is a design of God and we want it to work correctly. We want the design to work the way God intended for it to work. So 1 Thessalonians 5.23, the very God of peace sanctify you Holy. Circle that, holy. That's not H-O-L-Y. This is a word that's talking about completely. So there's a sanctification for the believer that needs to take place in every area, every aspect, holy, completely. There's a sanctification, not just for a Sunday morning sanctification, there's a sanctification for my mind. There's a sanctification for my mouth. There's a sanctification for my attitudes. There's a sanctification for my motives. There's a sanctification for every area of my life, for my, for my body. These eyes are set-apart eyes. I don't put these eyes on things that dishonor God. These ears, they're sanctified ears. 
I don't, I don't put in these ears things that blaspheme my, my heavenly father. Amen? There's a, a sanctification for every aspect, every area, every part of who we are, every aspect of our lives. And so it says that God sanctify you wholly, and I pray God your whole spirit and soul and body. Spirit and soul and body. Be preserved blameless. Is that possible? It's in the word. That's what we're aiming for. That's what we expect. That I want to live my life. I want to conduct myself in a way that I can be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So it says spirit first, soul second, body last. When I say body, I'm not talking about the flesh. I'm talking about your physical body. Your physical body is not necessarily your flesh. Your physical body may need sleep. So if I'm, let me just get, bring a little bit of clarity. When I'm talking about the snooze button, I'm talking about the lazy part of your flesh that doesn't want to get up and pray, but it wants to sleep right until the very last minute, and then you're running out the door trying to comb your hair while you're driving down the road, putting on your makeup in the rearview mirror. I'm not talking about someone who needs to rest. Your physical body does require sleep. It does require that we rest. And that's why God created the Sabbath for rest. He does want us to rest. So being spiritual doesn't mean driving your physical body into the ground. So when we talk about the body, we're not talking about the flesh. I'm talking about that, that, that appetite in the flesh that, that wants no restraint. You know, the, the works of the flesh, one of the works of the flesh, it's my favorite word in the works of the flesh list, lasciviousness. Just say it three times. Lasciviousness, lasciviousness, lasciviousness. I didn't even know what it meant. I thought it was a cool word. Lasciviousness. Ooh, what is lasciviousness? I want to know what is lasciviousness because that sounds like a cool word. And it means no restraint. And that's what your flesh is, is, is aiming for that there's no restraint, that there's no discipline in your life. No restraint to your mouth. You'll just say whatever you feel like saying. No restraint to, to that's where we go with the snooze button. So the, there are disciplines are for our good. Disciplines, you know, I developed the discipline of brushing my teeth at a young age. It's a good discipline to have. How many of you have that discipline? We, thank you. We want the disciplines that God has provided for us so that we can walk in the Spirit and not give in to the appetites of the flesh. So the, you don't have to fight the flesh. You don't have to fight the flesh. You don't have to fight the flesh. You don't have to fight your flesh. Just feed your spirit. Feed your spirit. Yield to your spirit. 
obey the promptings of the, the Spirit of God in your spirit. And if you'll walk in the Spirit, by default, you won't fulfill the, the lust of the flesh. So the flesh is not a battle for me. The flesh is not on my mind. I'm not getting up in the morning and saying, ooh, I don't want to get in the flesh today. I'm not going to get in the flesh today. I'm not going to get in the flesh. I'm not going to get in the flesh. Guess what's going to happen? Because that's what's on the mind. But if I get up in the morning and I say, I'm going to start my morning in the Spirit. I'm going to turn right here and I'm going to start fellowshipping with the Spirit of God who dwells in me. I'm going to start in the Spirit. I'm going to be sensitive to the Spirit of God throughout the day. I'm going to yield to the Word. I'm going to act on the Word. I'm going to do spiritual things. Then by default, I am not giving emphasis to the flesh or having to yield to the flesh because I'm busy yielding to the Spirit. That's the plan of God, that we do not have confidence in the flesh. We have a spirit. We are a spirit. We have a soul. We live in a body. The soul is designed to be a connector. The design of the soul is, a, is to be a connector. Do you know that even when you leave your body, you will have your soul? We have Jesus telling us a story about a man, a rich man, and a man named Lazarus who was a beggar. And in that story, we find out that that rich man went to hell. And do you know in hell, he had a mind, he had a will, and he had emotions. His soul was with him in hell. He was a spirit, but his mind was still connected in hell. You know, the Bible says that in heaven we will know each other as we are known. You're, so our soul is a, a component that God placed within our design to help connect us. The soul again, consists of the mind, the will, and the emotions. You're a thinker, you're a feeler, you're a chooser. And through the soul, we can connect to our body. We connect to the earth realm. And we also, with our soul, we connect with the spirit. That's why we are a spirit. And we want our spirit to be in the place of dominance in who we are. We do not want our emotions dominating us. That would be out of order. That would be soul, spirit, body. But the Bible order is spirit, soul, body. So if my emotions are directing me, I'm out of order. If, if my intellect, if my reasoning, and we need reasoning, we need it properly in its place, but if it is contrary to revelation, reasoning has to submit and revelation has to have the preeminence. But there are a lot of people who intellectually govern their lives and their spirit is not allowed. For instance, they say, I can't afford to tithe. That happened here. That was wrong thinking. They're thinking in their mind. They're reasoning in their mind. I don't have the money to tithe. But spiritual revelation lets us know, I can't afford not to tithe. 
I, I, I've got revelation. I know too much from the word. I've got too much light on that situation for me to think I don't have enough money to tithe. It, something's out of order already. But do you see the intellect? Sometimes the intellect will get up there and say, well, I can't do that because it's unreasonable. Jesus said, fill the water pots. That was unreasonable. The prophet told the woman to go and gather as many empty vessels as she could find. That was not reasonable. But it was revelation. And it's what saved her life. So do you see there are... There, the order is that our, we need to be led by the Spirit of God in our spirit. And our soul needs to be in its proper place and under the uh, governance of our spirit. We are not soul-led people. We are not mentally-led people. We're not emotionally-led people. We're spirit-led people. Hallelujah. Let's go to 1 Corinthians, and I'm going to find a place to wind up here. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. I want to talk to you about fleshly wisdom versus spiritual wisdom. 1 Corinthians 2.12. There is a fleshly wisdom, a carnal way of thinking. I, we could refer to it as reasoning, as I have. But there is a spiritual wisdom. 1 Corinthians 2.12 Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God.